When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up everybody, how you doing? Welcome in, welcome to another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America. Today people... Um, we're going to talk about the media, mandates, and malarkey. (laughs) Um, I'm so sick of hearing these phrases. Trust the science. Trust the media. (laughs) Oh boy. Trust the science, trust the media, right? That's the one-liner narrative. That the big club wants you to repeatedly regurgitate. (laughs) Trust the science. Trust the media. I don't know. You guys, what do you think? Should we trust the science? Should we trust the media? Should we trust guys like Fauci? Or should we trust the actual scientists doing the work that are probably under some type of non-disclosure agreements? sworn to secrecy situation, and if they talk about their research, they're dead. They're probably dead. I mean, obviously, there is science that we should trust. I mean, obviously, science and, you know, medical technology over the years has been keeping people alive for longer than humans have ever lived before, so clearly some of it's working. It's not all bad. Like I always say, you know, there's positives and negatives to everything, not... Every entity isn't all good or all bad most of the time, right? You know, and then the media. Trust the media. Oh, you know, Tim Pool told you guys on a show it's it, it's no longer um, uh, the truth. What we report, I'm sorry, the truth is what we report. Now it's what we report is the truth. They they want you to think that they are the truth. Whatever they put. Whatever the editor or whatever the anchor decides to talk about and cover on that episode of that show, it's it's not really the news. You're not really getting honest, objective reporting anymore. We've been talking about this stuff a lot on this podcast, and if you're a new listener to the show, welcome in. The media people, speaking of the media, the media is in bad shape. <laughs> uh, I was telling you guys in the previous podcast about how much viewership, you know, the the Brian Stelter show and uh, um, the Lauren O'Donnell um, show. Lawrence O'Donnell. Um, how their, their ratings were, you know, in the shitter. Uh, after Trump left office, they tanked. <laughs> Which just goes to show you how bullshit the coverage is. It's unbelievable. 
And here, I want to read this quote to you guys. This is by Carl Sagan. And uh, he's kind of talking about science right here. And I found this to be quite interesting. And I found this to pertain to what we're talking about today. So this is from Carl Sagan's 1995 book, uh, The Demon Haunted World. And he says in this book, and I quote, Not explaining science seems to me perverse. When you're in love, you want to tell the world. This book is a personal statement reflecting my lifelong love affair with science. And then he says this, But there's another reason. Science is more than a body of knowledge. It is a way of thinking. I have a foreboding of an America in my children's or grandchildren's time, when the United States is a service and information economy, when nearly all the key manufacturing industries have slipped away to other countries, when awesome technological powers are in the hands of a very few and no one representing the public interest can even grasp the issues. When the people have lost the ability to set their own agendas or knowledgeably question those in authority, when clutching our crystals and nervously consulting our horoscopes, our critical faculties in decline, unable to distinguish between what feels good and what's true, we slide almost without noticing, back into superstition and darkness. The dumbing down of America is most evident in the slow decay of substantive content in the enormously influential media. The 30-second sound bites, now down to 10 seconds or less, lowest common denominator programming, credulous presentations on pseudoscience and superstition, but especially a kind of celebration of ignorance. And that reminds me of Isaac Asimov when he talks about this cult of anti-intellectualism. This cult that believes that my ignorance is as good as your knowledge. Do you think your mainstream media, cable news shows people are benefiting you? Do you think they're objective? Do you think that they're fair and balanced? Are the people in control of these companies, do they care if you are told the truth or not? Or are they trying to manipulate you into believing a worldview that they have predetermined? That a group of people in a small you know, back room, behind closed doors, decided this is what we're going to put out there in pursuit of a goal. And... You know, I said it before, you know, ever since Trump left office, the media is even is in even worse shape than it was, than it is um, now under Biden because, you know, there's not, uh, you know, there's nowhere near the, the Biden bashing uh, that goes on on the mainstream media, or all media for that matter, like there was when Trump was in office. And that's by design, people. 
The group of people wanted you to hate Trump. Same group of people want you to love Biden. And it doesn't take very much time of reading and watching and paying attention to, to see it. Here's a little article I wanted to read on this topic. This is from Tim Graham, who is the Director of Media Analysis for the Media Research Center, a media watchdog group. He was a White House correspondent for World Magazine in 2001 and 2002. And uh, this article originally appeared in Newsbusters website. So feel however you want to feel about the credibility of this. I found it to be quite interesting. An MSNBC producer for Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell left the network in dramatic fashion on Monday, writing a harshly critical open letter on her personal website. Uh, July 24th was my last day at MSNBC. I don't know what I'm going to do next exactly, but I simply couldn't stay there anymore, Ariana Peccary wrote on her personal website. Uh, my colleagues are very smart people with good intentions. <laughs> good intentions. The problem is the job itself. It forces skilled journalists to make bad decisions on a daily basis. Remember that, people, when you consider whether or not you should trust the media anymore. She then quoted an anonymous, successful, and insightful TV veteran, quote-unquote, who said, We are a cancer, and there is no cure. Wow. But if you could find a cure, it would change the world. Powerful, right? As it is, this cancer stokes national division. Even in the middle of a civil rights crisis, the model blocks diversity of thought and content because the networks have incentive to amplify fringe voices and events at the expense of others. All because it pumps up the ratings. This cancer risks human lives. Even in the middle of a pandemic, the primary focus quickly became what Donald Trump was doing, albeit poorly, to address the crisis rather than the science itself. As new details have become available about antibodies, a vaccine, or how COVID actually spreads, producers still want to focus on the politics. Important facts or studies get buried. This cancer risks our democracy. Even in the middle of a presidential election, any discussion about the election usually focused on Donald Trump, not Joe Biden. A repeat offense from 2016... Trump smothers out all other coverage. Also important is to ensure citizens can vote by mail this year, but I've watched the topic get ignored or killed numerous times. Context and factual data are often considered too cumbersome for the audience. There's a lot of complaint in there. There's a lot of complaint in there that's very common to critiques of cable news that it thrives on hot talk and doesn't qualify as news. It qualifies as ideological reinforcement. Occasionally, the producers will choose to do a topic or story without regard for how they think it will rate, but that is the exception, not the rule. Due to the simple structure of the industry, 
the desire to charge more money for commercials, as well as the ratings bonuses that top-tier decision-makers earn. They always relapse into their old, profitable programming habits. I understand that the journalistic process is largely subjective, and any group of individuals may justify a different set of priorities on any given day. Therefore, it's particularly notable to me, for one, that nearly every rundown at the network basically is the same, hour after hour. And two, they use this subjective nature of the news to justify economically beneficial decisions. I've even heard producers deny their role as journalists. A very capable senior producer once said, Our viewers don't really consider us the news. They come to us for comfort. (laughs) Peccary had a public radio background, so she disliked the profit-oriented approach. It's possible that I'm more sensitive to the editorial process due to my background in public radio, where no decision I ever witnessed was predicated on how a topic or guest would rate. The longer I was at MSNBC, the more I saw such choices. It's It's practically baked into the editorial process, and those decisions affect news content every day. It's not shocking that this breaking media news did not get picked up in the CNN Reliable Sources newsletter on Monday night. (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to hear this story on CNN, are ya? So, you know, something to think about. So I messed up. Clearly, the the person that quit's name is Ariana Peccary, who worked on last word with Lawrence O'Donnell. Okay, now I got it together. So, you know, believe it or not, who knows? But we know that's one side of the story. You know, maybe she was doing things that she wasn't supposed to do. Who knows? You know, this is just, you know, one perspective, like I always say. But very interesting. And let's not forget people, speaking of CNN, state news... Remember, I think it was like episode one or two. I said, you know, CNN's coverage is supposed to be believed like it's the word of God. Yet, they have settled out of court repeatedly because they have been sued for, you know, libel, slander, whatever. The coverage that they create, it's wag the dog level at this point where they're literally just creating... It's like actors. Actors are acting, they're filming it, and then they're just fabricating stories, fabricating wars, fabricating world events. Remember the Nick Sandman story? I think his name was Nick Sandman. The kid with the MAGA hat on, where the Native American gentleman that was there uh, after we learned from after the fact to stir some shit up was beating the drum in the kid's face. The kid was just smiling. Yeah. Boy, did they not show you the full story in the full context of that exchange. And if you look up that story, you will find that the reason why Nick Salmon won his court case is because that's the facts, people. CNN blew that entire situation out of proportion in pursuit of some type of political end. If it bleeds, it leads. Sensationalism. The culture of fear. Mutually beneficial to both the mainstream media news networks and our 
Leviathan government. Big business loves big government. And to oppose one is to oppose both. And remember, speaking of CNN and Chris Cuomo, uh, or I guess I'm bringing up Chris Cuomo now. Remember, uh, remember when I told you guys that I don't know what Andrew Cuomo did to Big Club, but they're coming after him. Boy, have you been watching the news lately? They're g- coming to get Mister 63 year old nipple piercings himself, <laughs> Andrew Cuomo. The devil incarnate. <laughs> Speaking of CNN, let me play a clip, people. This is hilarious. And, you know, this is just this is just another example of people, the COVID crisis and the media news coverage and the government reaction to it. Boy, they hoodwinked the shit out of the majority of you, my fellow Americans. You've been exposed. All you people bashing Trump, saying that anything that the Republicans were saying is conspiracy theory, you're all a bunch of religious nutjobs, that the sooner that you people die, the future progressive country and communist subversion can be complete and we'll live in utopian socialist communism uh, forever and ever. Yippee! We're all going to live happily ever after, right? I told you about Andrew Cuomo, people. You better start listening to this podcast. You better start telling your friends. I ain't, I'm hitting the mark pretty damn near. Majority of the time, as of late, I put my work in, people. And I, like I always say, you disagree with what I'm covering on the show? Send me an email. AndrewForAmerica1984 at gmail.com. Love to hear it. I would love to have some of you give me some facts and evidence that can blow up some of the arguments that I am proposing and making on my show, okay? Take a listen to this. This is CNN. This is a mashup of CNN coverage your, with all your favorites, Chris Cuomo. Uh, there might be some Don Lemon in there, some, uh, what is his name? Brian Stelter. Um, quite interesting. David, we're sitting by for Governor Cuomo's press conference, his daily briefing. How would you contrast... Cuomo and President Trump's handling of the crisis. Truth versus mendacity. Governor Cuomo um, out there day after day after day. Everything Trump isn't honest, direct, brave. Real leadership of the kind the president of the United States should have provided. Governor Cuomo is clearly living in a totally different reality, the actual one, than the president of the United States. Governor Cuomo has become a national leader. For a lot of people, Andrew Cuomo has become the leader of the Democratic Party. He is conveying incredible strength. You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that, if I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you would send soldiers off to war. This has been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. He's providing hope but not false hope. Governor Cuomo, I think, is is, is one of the heroes on, on the front line. He's With a hero. All this adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? Andrew <laughs> Cuomo, who has a daily television show now uh, and has become, in some ways, the shadow uh, president. Maybe Trump is just a little bit mad that Governor Cuomo has become a kind of acting president. Dealing with hardship actually makes you stronger. That's what Governor Cuomo said earlier today. That's what I'm going to go teach my kids right now at home. People, <laughs> CNN loved Andrew Cuomo. Remember? Are, are your memories that short? 
They loved him. He was the next president. Oh, he was the acting president. He was displaying leadership and uh, so much more of a of a presidential figure when compared to Trump. Yada yada yada. Ugh. People, you believe the news? You think the news has your best interest in mind? I feel like I'm gonna throw up in my mouth after listening to that. Ugh. I do not understand how anyone with a brain in their head can watch CNN and not hysterically laugh at the bullshit drivel that that network puts out. It's disgusting. And sadly, very, very effective. They loved him. Now you think CNN? I mean, the, the first night that Chris Cuomo uh, did his show, everyone is expecting him to you know, comment on the allegations against his brother Andrew for sexual misconduct didn't even cover it. Didn't even talk about it. Didn't even bring it up. Didn't even bring it up. These people are the biggest hypocrite scumbags the world has ever seen. Brian Stelter, throw up in my mouth. Don Lemon, throw up in my mouth. Chris Cuomo, Fredo, are you fucking kidding me? People... If you listen to these guys, you are a useful idiot, moron, buffoon, imbecile, <laughs> numbskull. <laughs> Pick your favorite idiot word for your idiot mentality. I don't know. I, 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 I try to be nice to you. I try. I try. I try. You do not give me a lot to work with. CNN fans, progressive lefties. You don't give me a lot to work with. You don't give anyone a lot to a lot to work with. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how you people cannot see and still continue to watch the news just because it's on and you believe it. With fact after fact after story after story after example after example after reason after reason. Why you should not put any stock, any faith in what these mainstream media news networks are putting out. Yet you continue to do so. You are complicit. You are part of the problem, my fellow Americans. Speaking of Don Lemon... Let's uh let's move on and let's start talking about these mask mandates that you know oh we were conspiracy theorists when we brought it up oh this is the future they're going to mandate that your vaccine to travel they're going to shut down travel they're going to control everything in the world even more oh yeah I'm just a nut job conspiracy theorist tin foil hat wearing idiot crazy person that goes down YouTube rabbit holes doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about right <laughs> all right listen to this. Take a listen to your boy, Don Lemon. And if this doesn't make you sick to your stomach, boy, I don't know if you're savable. But um, don't get the vaccine, you can't go to the supermarket. Don't have the vaccine, you don't show it, can't go to the ball game. Don't have the vaccine, can't go to work. You don't have the vaccine, can't come here. No shirt, no shoes, no service. That's where I think we should be right now. Because we continue to waste our breath on people who are just not going to change their you know the circular logic they just keep going back and saying well it's my freedom it's whatever 
I mean, wow. The ego. And how, how many times have I said it, people? How many times have I said that this progressive left, the, this holier-than-thou, ego-driven, uh, you know, rooted in envy, think you know everything, your ignorance is just as good as somebody else's knowledge because you have a lived experience, because you fall into some identity politics, little cookie-cutter, divide-and-conquer group that they put you in so that they could divide you up into little groups so that they can easily conquer you, you useful idiots. How many times do I have to come back and circle back? <laughs> circle back to these topics. Uh, I'm just going to I'm going to keep circling back repetition until you people get it through your heads. Okay, so I'm going to play a clip. This is kind of a long clip. It's like 10 or 11 minutes long, I think. It's a clip of one of the recent uh, Part of the Problem podcast episodes by Dave Smith entitled The Rules Keep Changing. And that reminds me of when I told you that they keep moving the goalposts. And uh, Dave here is talking about similar themes. Uh, that I've been talking about, and I find this uh, clip to be very insightful, very interesting, and I want you guys to take a listen to this, and then we're going to talk about it afterwards, so here we go. All right, today's episode, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk a bunch about COVID, because what the hell else are you going to talk about, right? Mandatory vaccinations, are they coming? Are they kind of here already? Uh, that That's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. There's a lot going on right now. A lot of things kind of shifting. Um, I, Brian, you got those videos I sent you, right? I sent you a couple of things that I wanted to, uh, I should have checked with you before we started. Um, but so there's a lot of different things that are going on that have really caught my eye um, and that they should kind of all be, I think, in people's minds to, to get a gauge of what exactly is going on here. So number one, uh, Joe Biden uh, announced that he is now, uh, for federal employees, uh, vaccines or submitting to regular testing is now mandatory. So that's something. Um, usually that is a precursor to what they kind of want to do with everyone. Federal employees are the ones who the federal government has the, the clearest jurisdiction over, so they usually start with, with them um, because you can't really fight it on a constitutional and Life and they're going to make them wear masks, which is just to be annoying. I actually yeah. heard on the radio today that that um, the, the doctor was saying it was 880 News, and they were saying the importance of the travel restrictions and mask wearing to, at a minimum, inconvenience those are unvaxxed as an incentive to get them to be vaxxed. Right. Although, of course, the CDC is right. They still wear them after they're vaxxed because, you know, uh, reasons. Um, okay, so, uh, well, I mean, I guess there are actually some reasons. I shouldn't, I shouldn't make fun of that, because there is, there is some uh, evidence suggesting that um, the vaccine, as Dr. Fauci said, is not really going to stop you from spreading the Delta variant, which, of course, is the dominant variant that's around uh, in, in America now and, and in many places in the world. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, of course, just like throughout this whole thing, there's a lot of the science that, uh, let's just say, is not being followed 
by the scientism cult. So just when I talk about this, when I talk about Joe Biden, um, you know, mandating vaccine and COVID testing for federal employees, again, just keep in mind, I mean, I'm not saying that the vaccine is going to be mandated for everybody tomorrow, but it's not as if this is just some random person at some random company. This is the president of the United States mandating federal employees. Also not just some random person is the uh, um, former mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, uh, and he was on Morning Joe uh, uh, this morning, and, and he said this. Let's, let's play the clip. Years old, and, and look, I'm a parent. My kids went to New York City public schools. If my kids were going to school in September, I would be running to get them vaccinated right now. And, and like was said a moment ago, you know, we used to do this as parents all the time for a variety of vaccinations. We've got to shake people at this point and say, come on now. We tried voluntary. You know, we could not have been more kind and compassionate as a country. Free testing everywhere you turn, incentives, friendly, warm embrace. The voluntary phase is over. We can keep doing those things. I'm not saying shut it down. I'm saying voluntary alone doesn't work. It's time for mandates because years old and up. All right. So, I mean, just saying this is just openly being advocated by uh, uh, now. This is where the Overton window has moved. Um, yeah, that's there you go. We couldn't have been more compassionate, Rob, as a society. Remember when we deemed you uh, unessential and kicked you out of your job and then printed trillions of dollars to give to big corporations? That was us being nice. Now it's time to get serious. You ever hear uh, Gene Epstein uh, uh say um the um the hitler joke his favorite hitler joke which i love i love like old jewish dad jokes but uh it's um a bunch of uh like uh Nox, nazi expats go and find hitler in argentina or wherever he's living and they try they try to convince him to come back and and lead germany once again and be the the fuhrer again and then after a while of convincing him he goes all right fine i'll do it but this time no more Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> I, just, I just love that. This is a joke. Like, just the idea that Hitler's like, all right, I'll do it, but I'm going hard this time. Not like that last time. So anyway, that's, that's more or less, de Blasio is being that joke right now. That was us being kind. Locking you in your house and robbing from you to, to give to our crony friends. That was nice. That was nice, inessential worker. Um, non-essential, I should say. Uh, so anyway... So this is just, this is what they're talking about here. Well, at this point, de Blasio would give his kids this, this vaccine for what reason exactly? I don't know, other than him being a terrible parent. Um, but he would, he would give his kids, by the way, the, uh, de Blasio's, as an aside, they've talked about what terrible parents they are and what a horrible job they did with their, uh, their older daughter. Um, anyway. What did uh, they do? Uh, they said, like, the, the wife wrote a whole piece about it. It was really creepy stuff. It was years ago I read it, but I have to look it up. They just said like they just didn't care about her. She ended up having all these problems, and they're, they're really awful. But oh, so anyways, we, like it was an admission of, hey, we messed up with her older daughter. Yeah, or was, yeah, like we made oh. some real mistakes, and then she had some real like troubled years and all this stuff. Anyway, but he'll he'll stick a he'll stick a vaccine in him, no problem. Uh, so that's anyway. Uh, that's that's where De Blasio is at. But yeah, it's no more. We gotta shake him. You know, it's funny because at the same time as we were talking about this in the last episode. At the same time as they're mocking people for the um, 
you know, vaccine hesitancy or these, oh my God, these conspiracy theorists, then they also get out there and like just blatantly threaten people. You know, like the, the, the governor of New York is saying, we're going to throw you in a van and take you down and give you this vaccine. And he's saying, we're going to shake people. Like this is very threatening behavior, especially from, I mean, okay, he's not the mayor anymore, but from political leaders, not just like regular people saying they think this should happen, but from people who actually exercise government authority. You know, I make my best decisions after somebody shakes me. Like usually I'm not sure about what to do. If someone gives me, I'm like, all right, all right. I can see it now. I should sound like Bitcoin. Wasn't that in the naked gun, they kept shaking him and then he has like a different outfit on or, or he's shaking oh. him, or was it, I think, you know. Um, anyway, so there's that. That's a, that's a, a clip. And then, uh, of course, uh, we could also check in with um, Establishment Insider and some people's pick for Supreme Court Justice uh, and also good friend of Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, Alan Dershowitz had this to say on Laura Ingram's show last night. As far as mandating uh, vaccination, I think the Supreme Court would uphold gradual mandating of vaccination. That is, first, condition of going to school. Okay, if it's legal, why gradual? I mean, just right off the bat, why would they implement gradual mandates, or why would that be what they would authorize if mandates are okay according to the Supreme Court? All the way. And you think we could save lives by getting everyone vaccinated? I mean, so are they against saving lives in a fast and efficient manner? Is that what uh, this brilliant lawyer has to say? He's such a douche. I mean, firstly, like, I'm I'm sure he's responsible for some horrible... How, How do you have OJ's lawyer still being the guy that we reference on every case, like he's forget, a noble... Forget being OJ's lawyer. Epstein, forget, yeah. For, forget his fucking awful takes on Israel or like any of that shit. The guy admitted to getting uh, massaged by underage girls at Epstein's house, but his defense was he kept his underwear on the whole time. This is literally his defense. Well, Rob's actually really buying it. Like, right. No, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm that's like... You go, that's the underwear defense, dude. There's, you're fine. I, I'm just saying, I would think that alone, with just the stench of you, they'd be like, we can't really have you on these shows anymore. Now, Laura Ingram does give him some, uh, some pushback here, but this is, this is interesting, so, so let's keep playing. And dating of vaccination, that is first, conditioning going to school on getting vaccinated, conditioning getting on airplanes, conditioning going to crowded buildings. Ultimately, if it became absolutely necessary, they would quote George Washington in the middle of the Revolutionary War, who mandated vaccination against smallpox for Are you his saying that COVID-19, Alan, hold on. Are you saying, see, I disagree with this analysis. COVID-19 is not smallpox. I don't think you have to overrule the no, Jacobson case. You can distinguish the Jacobson case on the basis of the data, mortality, uh, the, you know, how infectious this is, how many people it kills. This is not smallpox, so it's a, and, and this no, is not a fully approved. It's, it's not a fully approved vaccine uh, either. Neither was the smallpox vaccine in 1905. No, I think COVID is worse than smallpox in many ways. It may not kill as many people, but we don't know what the long-term impact is. I have kill 300 million people worldwide. I mean, 300 million people. I have a right. Pause it. If you're going to say we don't know what the long-term impact is, that sounds like a really good reason for being concerned with the vaccines. Well, first of all, he says it's worse than smallpox, which killed hundreds of millions of people at a time with a much smaller, you know, population. Um, 
okay? Like, by what standard is it worse? What, why? Because the government had an insane response to it? I mean, that's the only thing I could think that would even be an argument to why COVID is worse than smallpox. Because, well, I guess the government didn't lock down and do all this crazy shit uh, uh, for, for smallpox. But, like, that's a wild statement that he can't back up. And then you're going to back up forced vaccinations because we don't know? Because you can't disprove a negative? You can't prove that something... I mean, this is, I don't know, just insane. Uh, yeah. I'd say insane is exactly the word I would use. I mean, people, de Blasio... De ba- um, what's his name? Yeah, Bill de Blasio. He said, quote, It's time for people to see vaccination as literally necessary to living a good and full and healthy life. <laughs> he said, We tried voluntary. It's time for mandatory. It's time for mandates. And part of the reason why I played this clip for you, people, is because I've said it before. People, we got to stop putting human beings up on pedestals. The authorities, quote unquote, that are making all these important decisions and manipulating information so that they can control your lives, they're human beings, people. This guy de Blasio will admits willingly admits that he was a shitty father. These people are scumbags, and you idiots continue to vote for them, continue to put them in office. Or maybe voting is bullshit, and maybe all elections are fixed in some way, shape, or form. And maybe, like I've said before, and like Carlin said, George Carlin said, you know, the politicians are put there to make you think that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. These are the guys that own the shit. The mayor and governor of New York. Gavin Newsom out in California. Governor Waltz here in Minnesota. Very left-leaning, progressive liberal places. Not a lot of pushback. You don't see a lot of people within these part the the within the Democratic Party pushing back against each other. They all toe the line. They all you know, the in their mind the party is always right and everybody else is wrong. And anybody who doesn't dis- who doesn't agree with us should be put to death. That's the mentality. I've said it before. Uh, I saw this tweet recently, and I wanted to share it. People, when government chooses the medicine you must take to live a full and healthy life, quote-unquote, in the words of Bill de Blasio, then liberty is on life support. People, remember when they were saying that, oh, we're going to implement these mandates, but it's going to be gradual. And, and they just got done saying, well, that, why does it have to be gradual? Why can't you just 
Why can't the logic add up? And if this is this, and if the vaccine's worse than this, and if you can still be a super spreader even though you've been vaccinated, then this, none of it logically, rationally is making any sense. And people are starting to notice. And those of us at the beginning of the pandemic that told you, what you how you should be looking at this, how you should be framing the way that you perceive the media messaging, the political messaging, the actual things that are happening. You, it's not looking bright, people. You know, I hear that word gradual and I, and I think slow usurpations over time. It's all by design. <laughs> Unbelievable. This stuff is crazy. This stuff is crazy I don't know I don't know what we're going to do people can we do anything I don't know who knows you got any ideas <laughs> but I just want you guys to you know go listen to Dave Smith's podcast this this entire uh the rules keep changing episode it's amazing it's amazing he is he is pretty on point majority of the time I find myself agreeing with Dave Smith quite a bit. He's a guy that I told you previously uh, feels like he has a consistent and irrefutable worldview that is <laughs> irrefutable and correct. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they think you're stupid. Are you stupid? Do you, do, are you one of these people that watches CNN, Fox, MSNBC, Newsmax, CBSN, uh, you know, um, you know, Bloomberg, BBC, all of them? If you don't think that the people in control of all these organizations and companies, and and in bed with all these government officials in this country and around the world. If you don't think that these people don't meet and have meetings and discuss their plan for the world, then you're walking through life with blinders on, having tunnel vision. You know, I got a real hard time. I got a real hard time watching mainstream media. I told you guys before, I don't watch the mainstream media news. I try real hard not to ever turn it on, ever. I see things on social media that, you know, you have to go uh, do a little digging and, uh, you know, check your sources. You know, we live in this information age, overstimulation. I mean, how can you find? I mean, you really got to put in work to find truth and reality. And it's sad. But that's just where we're at. You know, and you know what I think about all these mainstream media news networks you know what i think about their coverage with all due respect that's a bunch of malarkey this is a bunch of stuff deal what does that mean a bunch of stuff well it means it's simply inaccurate it's irish it's irish. <laughs> it is we irish call it malarkey Thanks for the we irish call it malarkey <laughs> that's that's your president people joe biden the gaff master <laughs> uh, 
you know, part of me feels bad for him because, you know, it's literally elder abuse that uh, his handlers are putting him through. But when you look at the guy's record, mm, man, I got a hard time having sympathy for that guy. Got a real hard time. I have a real tar hard time having sympathy for guys like Andrew Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, Brian Stelter, Don Lemon, Dershowitz, I mean, de Blasio. Get the fuck out of here, people. These are your leaders. These scumbags who lie and cheat and steal and probably rape. Dershowitz was on Epstein Island. Said that he got a massage, but he kept his pants on. I rest my case, people. <coughs> what more do you need to hear? What more do I need to provide my fellow Americans, my fans and followers and listeners of this podcast? What more do I have to provide? You guys want to turn up the optimism and the fun? I got a great story. Recently, I was contacted by a gentleman who is from San Diego, California. And you guys know about me. I got a big special place in my heart for San Diego. And he told me he was in a band. And they had an a EP or... Uh, I don't know if it was an EP or just a single coming out. But um, he messaged me and asked me like, hey man. How would you feel about checking out uh, our band's new um, record that's coming out and maybe playing it on your show? And I said in a previous podcast, I said, uh, you know, if I heard something that I liked and I thought uh, was suitable for my show, then I would play it. So, again, I want to extend the invitation. If you're a punk band out there trying to get some exposure, um, send me your stuff. And uh, you never know, I might play you. On the show. And today I'm going to play you guys a song by a band from San Diego, California called Fear the Lions. And uh, this gentleman's name is Chris, who messaged me and said that uh, they got an EP coming out soon. It was an EP. And uh, he wanted me to take a listen to it. And I checked it out and I loved it. Making their debut. On the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast from San Diego, California, also known as Heaven on Earth, <laughs> here are Fear the Lions with the song Taking Liberties. We fight, we die, we're buried alive. We fight, we die, we're buried alive. We fight, we die, we're buried alive. We fight, we die.
people, that was Fear the Lions from San Diego, California, with their song, Taking Liberties. And their bass player, Chris, sent me uh, the lyrics to that song and their bio, and I'm going to hook them up right now, and I'm going to read it to you here on the show. So here we go, Fear the Lions is a four-piece, high-energy, melodic punk band consisting of Josh on vocals, Jimmy on guitar, Chris on bass, and Jeremiah on drums. Fear the Lions creates music that tackles societal upsets and demands that their audience take a stand against oppression, poverty, and the system. <laughs> Sounds punk rock to me, baby. They recently recorded, mixed, and mastered their sophomore effort, the five-song Dying to Be Me. EP at the Blasting Room. You guys uh, know about the Blasting Room. That's uh, that's the Descendants' setup. Rise Against is recorded there. Many many punk rock bands have recorded at the Blasting Room, and they will be releasing uh, "Dying to Be Me," their new EP, Friday, August sixth. Uh, so by the time this airs, it will already have been released. So go check it out. Uh, this new release was produced by Grammy Award nominee Andrew Berlin, who has worked with national acts such as, oh, shocker, Rise Against, Descendants, Teenage Bottle Rocket, uh, and Face to Face. Fear the Lions brings a powerful, jaw-dropping performance to the stage and does what a punk rock band should do, bring people together. I love it. Good job, guys. Great track. Let's read these lyrics. We fight. We die. We're buried alive. Can you see all the casualties? The division of hope for the sake of envy. The world's dying from compassionless greed. Take a moment to breathe and see we're family. We're falling faster than our hope can withstand. Take a second to reach out and grab my hand. Was it worth all you had and you lost? So many times in the end, you never counted the cost. I won't be okay with this. I'm not okay. I'm not okay with this. Oh, no. And where you go, where do you go? When you're all by yourself and you have no one else, where do you go? When you're calling my name because I'm feeling the same, where do you go? How many times am I hung out to dry? When you won't say my name, no, you can't say my name. When will this be something more than a joke? When you keep playing games. You only care when you got all you can. No concern for another or for each other. Was it worth all you had and you lost? So many times in the end you never counted the cost. Where will you go? When you're all by yourself and you have no one else. Where will you go? When you're calling my name because I'm feeling the same. When you're all by yourself and you have no one else, where do you go when you're calling my name? Because I'm feeling the same. Where do you go? I like it. This has been episode 53 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Media, Mandates, and Malarkey. <laughs> uh, where will we go? Those are great questions you're asking there, Fear the Lions. Where will we go when this experiment in religious freedom and self-government, when we flush it down the toilet, 
Where will you go, my fellow Americans? And, you know, we definitely need each other, people. We need to, we need to keep each other sane. We need to keep each other off the ledge. You know, like I said, I like the sentiment of this song by Fear the Lions because, you know, in a time when you are having your liberties taken away from you, you know, you're going to need each other. We better start developing a sense of community. It's getting bad out there. People are losing it. People are becoming suicidal. And it's sad. It's sad that, you know, and I've said it a million times, the government reaction to the problem is usually, if not more often than not, worse than the problem itself. You know, there's a recent study out of Brown University. Uh, It found that veterans' suicides took more than four times as many lives as those who died in combat in the the post-9-11 wars. 7,000 troops died in the post-9-11 wars. A staggering 30,000 have died by suicide. How does that make you feel? And I've talked about that before too. Like As soon as people start feeling like they don't have enough faith in their country or their government to the point to where they don't want to serve their country anymore, people, it's over. It's over. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to leave you guys today with a clip by Charlie Kirk. And feel however you want to feel about Charlie Kirk. I know a lot of people do not like the guy. I really, honestly, kind of had a problem recently with what he said about Simone Biles dropping out of the Olympics. Some of his comments about that. I I, I got his point. But, dude, you got to just sometimes, man, you know, the fuck your feelings crowd sometimes, man, you guys, just, you know, maybe a little bit of compassion. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Maybe a little understanding. Maybe drop the pride in the ego a little bit. I'm on the fence with Charlie Kirk. He says a lot of smart things from time to time. Um, but, you know, we're all... How many times have I said it? Some of us are good. Some of us are bad. Some of us are both good and bad. Majority of us are both good and bad. And which wolf wins? Which wolf lives Of the two wolves that live inside each and every one of us, the one you feed, people. The one you feed. Thanks for listening. I love you guys. I'm going to let Charlie Kirk take us out. And I want you guys to pay attention to what he says. He makes a good point uh, with this, what he says right here. And like I said, like, feel however you want to feel about Charlie Kirk, people. But, you know, I challenge you to disagree with this. Thanks for listening. I love you guys. We'll see you next time. And here we go. Charlie Kirk, take us out. made an unbelievable mistake in the last six months. In fact, I've done a lot of research on this. The lockdowns will go down as one of the worst decisions ever made in the history of our country, bar none. The lockdowns, they, they are... The lockdowns... We need to say it so it'll never happen again. I'm going to say some things that some people might deem controversial, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Lockdowns are a luxury of the rich. 
If you have money, you can survive a lockdown. If you don't, you have to fight and barely get by. Every metric we have for a declining society is up. Every metric. Because of these lockdowns, 150 million more people worldwide will go into extreme poverty. 150 million people worldwide. Because we decided to shut off global supply chains, shut off the movement of people, goods, and services. 15,000 scientists just signed the Barrington Declaration that said the lockdowns are the greatest threat to human health. They say it's all about safety and health. The lockdowns are hurting people. These are not victimless crimes. We tried to kill a mouse with a missile, and we did not adapt as we moved on. The more we saw the data come in, the more we locked down our country. All it did is delay the inevitable and also harm our young people. One out of four of young people contemplated suicide in our country the last 90 days. One out of four. Antidepressant medication is up 600% in our country. 600%. I can go through the numbers. 40% of U.S. adults reported struggling with mental health, up from 6% last year. U.S. Army suicides have increased 30% during the pandemic compared to 2019. The CDC, because of concerns about the Chinese coronavirus, estimated 41% of U.S. adults had delayed urgent medical care. They didn't want to go to the hospital. They thought they were going to get hurt. How about small businesses? Yelp, which all of you have used, say that 60% of their restaurants on their app will never reopen. 60%. Who owns small businesses? Who owns these restaurants? All of you guys out here. You guys know how hard it is. You have to deal with the city, the local, the county government, convince people to come back in. The backbone of the American entrepreneurial experiment are middle-class people taking a small risk that have five to ten employees, and we crushed them. And what happened to the ruling class in this country? Jeff Bezos is richer than he ever has been. The wealthy and the rich, God bless them, are well, most of which have been able to survive this quite well. It is the collectivist class that has been calling the shots in this country that hurt the little guy through these lockdowns. And they say, well, it's to stop the spread. That's a lie. Never would you ever be able to stop the spread. You're just delaying the inevitable. You could temporarily slow it, you could temporarily stunt it, but it gave people false confidence in something that actually hurt real human beings. And how about our generation, as I mentioned? 52% of my generation is now living at home with their parents, up from 37% last year, 52%. Again, I'm not trying to attack people that are living at home with their parents. It's, some people have no choice. They have no financial choice. So we have a generation that the average student loan debt per borrower is $31,000 per borrower that then goes, graduates college with very little to any skill, most times, um, and I'm happy to build out the whole college issue, to then enter a country where we tell them, just go work harder, go work harder. Oh, I'm sorry, we shut down the country the last nine months. And what we, are, what we are playing with right now in Western society, if we do not fully reopen our economies and fully reopen our schools, will be irreparable damage to the backbone of our republic that will only give license to a socialist demagogue to get power. I don't know, people. Sounds to me like uh, Greg Gutfeld might have been right when he said we're switching sides. You lefties are so sold on this woke culture that you're, you're completely blinded to the fact that these corporations have been exponentially growing. The, the cronyism, the revolving door, 
the 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 fascist corporatist marriage of big business and big government you better reach out and grab your neighbor's hand regardless of their race color creed sexual orientation because the divide and conquer agenda is working people the plan is coming into its final stages it's almost checkmate what are you going to do about it This has been episode 53 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast, Media, Mandates, and Malarkey. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And you know, just think about it. Hope you guys are considering the themes and the ideas that I'm trying to get across on this podcast. And I've said it a million times, if you like the content and you think that this can benefit one of your friends, maybe one of your progressive left-leaning friends that still has a glimmer of logic and rational thought flickering in their eyes that you can see. Maybe let's try to make some of those unsavable people savable for you, for me, for all of us. We'll see you next time, people. Take care of each other out there.